Welcome back, Bulldog Educator listeners. We're so glad to have you. Joining me for this season is my good friend, Matthew Caston. Say hello, Matt, to our listeners. Hey, hey, how's it going? And so you're going to be joining Matt and myself, Kirsten, as we go through this season where we're going to be talking about recovery and rest and recuperation in different modalities and different viewpoints. I'm really looking forward to it. And Matt, how about you? I'm also very excited. Uh, This is a journey that I've started recently, and it's going to be fun to talk more about it and learn about it as we learn with our audience. Absolutely, because I could learn quite a few things about this piece. Welcome to the Bulldog Educator Podcast, first episode of season three. This podcast content is developed through a collaboration between the co-hosts, Matt Caston and myself, Kirsten Wilson, and input from our listeners, just like you. Hello, everyone. Matt, tell us hello. Hey, y'all. How's it going? Excited to be here. Excellent. So, Matt, the audience has heard from me for two seasons, plus the special series that I did past spring, which I think you remember very clearly we're a part of. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was episode two of that special series. And while I encourage everyone to go back and listen to the special series where we explored PLCs and the voices of marginalized, I especially encourage them to check out episode two if they want to get to know you a little bit more and um, than what they might learn today or during the season, because you shared a lot of good things um, just about your own experience in education and your perspective on PLCs and collaborative groups. But I also want to let, (laughs) what'd you say? I said, thank you. (laughs) So I also wanted to let listeners know that we met a little over 10 months ago at the Innovation Rally Conference in Hot Springs, hosted by the Office of Innovation for Education, or OIE, where I heard you speak um, in one of those sessions. And immediately after that, we connected and we've been meeting for coffee and lunch sporadically ever since talking about the world of education and the challenges and the celebrations that come along with being in the world of education. Then this spring, when I asked if I could interview for the podcast um, related to some graduate work I was doing, that's when the idea of us co-hosting the Bulldog Educator became a possibility. And I'm super excited, Matt, to have you on board with us. And I'd really like it if you would share with our listeners a little bit about who is Matthew Caston. Well, thank you so much. That was a such a professional introduction. I can't believe it's been 10 months. Time flies. Uh, well, yes, uh, I am Matt Caston, originally from Jackson, Mississippi, and I found my way into education uh, actually with the work of my mom. She was a teacher in Mississippi uh, for about 20 years. She taught in Mississippi Delta. She taught in Jackson Public Schools, and she retired from teaching uh, in 2011. And uh, when she passed away uh, that same year, I thought about what I could do to honor her legacy as an educator. And I found myself moving to Little Rock, Arkansas to attend the Clinton School of Public Service in 2012, graduated, uh, studied you know, education policy there, graduated in 2015. And since then I've been working in education, different capacities, whether it's with nonprofits, community organizations, uh, school districts for Little Rock School District, um, 
and meeting wonderful educators like yourself and having the opportunity to do cool projects like this. So that's kind of the, the short story of, of how I found myself uh, in education. And I've really recently been really interested in a particular subset of education um, I stumbled upon this year called uh, Fugitive Pedagogy, which really looks at the relationship between students and teachers uh, from a lens of social justice. And I think that's been really cool. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. That is awesome. Um, I love the expertise you bring to this conversation about education, the research that you have shared in the past, and I know that you'll share in the future. And along with the passion that you have for this and the inspiration of where this comes from as you honor your mother's legacy in education. And so I, I feel very honored that you're sharing this space with me and that we get to do this project together. Um, so now that we know a little bit about you, um, this is kind of a interesting question, but at this point in your life, what is the best or worst advice you've been given and how has this advice impacted you? Wow, that is, is a very big question. So, okay, let me ask you, is this related to education or just in general? It can be in general or both, or you can you can choose to answer it two different ways. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. This this is this is a whammy. This is a whammy. Um, hmm. The best advice I've heard, um, I, I think, was to. It's going to sound cliche. I, I know it is, but to follow your passion. Um, you know, we work in education, and there's you know could be more funding in education. Teachers could be paid a bit more. That's a different thing. But those of us who work in education, we do it because of the love of the work and the love of children and, and wanting to uh, help inspire children to see the best in themselves. And that's, you know, that's soul work. The, the, the reward is not monetary. The reward is seeing those children and students realize that, hey, I can do this, you know. Um, and so the best advice I've been given is, is to follow your passion and everything else will come. And I'm definitely passionate about education, definitely passionate about students and children, uh, especially here in the South. And it has been really rewarding. And I'm glad that I've taken that advice and ran with it. I'm not quite sure what my life would be without doing that. Um, but yeah, so that, that's been the best advice. Um, and it, it really has changed my life. As I mentioned, you know, the inspiration for me getting into education has been my mother. Um, and I, I would be a different person had I not, you know, chosen to work in education since 2012 and, and dedicated my life to this. Um, yeah, I, I think that answers your question, hopefully. Oh, hundred percent. Um, and it's interesting that that's what you share, because one of the things that, um, I am very passionate about is helping other people find their passion, their purpose, their meaning in their work. Nothing excites me more than being able to facilitate that process for a person and help them discover that path. And it, I love doing it with younger, you know, young adults, uh, teenagers, young children. And I've even had the opportunity to work with um, adults that are in their, you know, looking for their second career and because they didn't have that passion in their first career and they're looking for um, a change and being able to sit down and have those conversations with those people and help them 
facilitate that next choice. Um, that, so I love that that's what you mentioned because it's really important, no matter if it's education or another career, um, that when you're doing the work, that it's meaningful and it's purposeful and you're passionate about it. So I appreciate you sharing that because that's something I love um, is helping people discover their passions. So this season, um, we're going to be taking the podcast on the road and and on a few of our episodes to different places we travel. And as we do that, one of the things we hope to thread throughout each episode is the idea of recuperation and restoration, which Mm -hmm. is a journey that you have done a great job of exploring. And I know I should do a better job of exploring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Matthew, uh, share with our listeners what you feel comfortable sharing about your own walk down this path of recuperation and restoration. Yeah, thanks. That's a good question. Uh, one I, I haven't had time to reflect on. So this is a perfect opportunity to do so. Yeah, um, yeah it's you mentioned, you know, working in education and, and, and being that person that kind of facilitates uh, the growth um, of, of someone else, you know, whether they be students or, you know, adults, adult learners. And, you know, that work is hard work. It, it takes a lot of passion, takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of focus. And I think that, you know, oftentimes teachers see themselves as the givers, right? You know, they, they give that support, they, they give that guidance to their learners. And that's wonderful and beautiful. And at the same time, we can't always give because, you know, the more that we give, you know, who, who's giving into us? Right. And, you know, my journey into to this recuperation and restoration has been a realization that, wait a minute, I have to I have to give to myself. Um, and sometimes that may, you know, look like taking a step back. And so I've been joking with some friends and family that I'm in the middle of a mini retirement because uh, I actually. You know, <laughs> uh, and they say, you're too young to be retired. And I was like, listen, this is what I need right now. You know, don't worry about it. But uh, so, um, you know, earlier this year, I stepped back from my from um from my job in, in, in training teachers um just to kind of give back to myself and in that space um you know i've taken time to reconnect with family do a little bit of traveling uh reconnect to the things that bring me joy whether it's you know cooking creating art playing more music uh writing and actually reading uh things about mental health things about the teaching profession things about you know, new ways of approaching pedagogy and learning. And it's been really, really fruitful and really, really restorative. Um, and, you know, one of the one of the things that I picked up uh, was Rest, Rest is Resistance, um, which is a wonderful book, came out a few years ago, uh, but it really has changed the way that I look at rest. Because uh, I'm not quite sure, you know, um, how your 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 family structure was was structured, but for me, Coming from Mississippi, you know, my family always drove home the value of hard work. You know, it was almost as if, you know, a person's worth was determined by how hard they worked. And I saw my mom really work hard in the classroom. and I knew she loved her students. She would come home really, really tired. But she would still find the energy, you know, to, to work with me and my brother and to, and to be a wonderful mother and support system. Um, but she was really tired. And so reading Rest is Resistance it was really helped me understand what rest is, what it might look like for some people, what it might look like for me, and it could be big or small. Uh, but it has really been, you know, a really great journey into understanding what are the things that I need 
uh, not to get back out there and work harder because that's not the purpose of rest, right? The purpose of rest is to to give back to oneself. And so, whereas I did see rest as, you know, I'm going to take a break so that I can come back next week and work even harder. Now I see it as I'm going to take a break uh, to give back to myself. And I'm also going to take this rest into my work. So yeah, once I get back out there and start working, I'm still going to have these restful practices that I'm going to incorporate into my daily work, my daily life. Um, because rest is something that, you know, we just don't do for 10 minutes or take a vacation for a week and get back out there. You know, rest is something we have to do consistently if we're going to keep doing this work. I really appreciate you sharing that because that's actually something I struggle with. Um, work in my household that growing up was what defined your worth. It, you know, if, if, if you weren't up and working early in the morning and work till mm. you went to bed at night, you weren't yeah. a productive um, contributing person in, in the household. Um, and that really ingrained in me to the point that um, I am a self acknowledging workaholic. Um, and I really tried hard to um, yeah. step away from that. But some of the practices of that um, is sometimes I won't let myself relax because I don't think mm -hmm. I've worked hard enough that day. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, even if I'm not in the state of working, I won't let let myself have what I would call a reward because I did not mm -hmm. meet my own goals or whatever. So um or when I go on vacation, I come back and work twice as hard because I rested right. so I could work instead of incorporating yeah. that recuperation and that rest that you had back into the work um, and finding that practice. So I am really excited to um, watch you as you go through that journey and hopefully um, incorporate some of those own practices into my own, um, I guess, flow of life um, as well. So um, I'm sure there's some listeners that are um, res this is resonating with them just like it's resonating with me. So thank you for sharing um, so authentically about that. As we go forward, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners today um, about some of the stuff we've talked about or maybe something we haven't talked about? Yeah, yeah. I mentioned Rest is Resistance, uh, you know, it's by Tricia Hersey and uh, it for, for me, it, it changed how I looked at and defined rest, because uh, as you mentioned, you know, I thought of rest as, you know, something that you did periodically or when you were too tired. Right. You take a break only to come back and work even harder. And so in my journey, I've learned that, you know, it's, it's not that's not the point of resting, you know, and also it's changed my definition of what rest looks like, what rest might be. Um, Sometimes I rest for five minutes, just taking a walk or having a cup of tea. Actually, one of, one of my favorite rituals in the morning now is to have a cup of tea and just to sit in silence for sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes. Um, and it's a great way to start off my day. Um, and it's a great ritual to add to structuring my day around what things bring me joy. Um, and a lot of things bring me joy. I'm, I'm born. I'm finding out, and that's great because that means that I have a lot of ways to to express that joy, and it's been great not only for myself but sharing those things with my family as well. Um, but I'm excited about this. I'm excited to to learn more about your journey into rest, to share more, to learn from you, uh, and to learn with our audience. Um, 
and I'm excited to start this journey with y'all. I'm very excited as well. And I look forward to as we have some of our guests on the show exploring this with Mm. them as well. So following the idea of restoration and recuperation, um, we're taking from the idea from the book, Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. They're um, identical twin sisters who wrote the book together. And as we we reference this book, we're going to be asking our guests. And today, as hosts, we're going to share of the seven ways to complete the stress cycle, which practice are you able to practice daily with ease and which practice requires more effort or planning to ensure you do it. And the seven ways to practice this are movement and that's just getting up and moving some people are like oh exercise it's not exercise it's just getting up and doing something movement can be working in your garden um you know movement can be playing the piano um it's something that you do um which could also be a creative piece which is another part of that we'll Mm -hmm. talk about later um the other is to breathe that purpose measure breathing an example of that is box breathing um, there's several different um, breathing practices that you can actually Google and find. Um, another way is to talk to people. Having meaningful conversations and having connections with others um, is another way that you can complete the stress cycle. Another is laugh and not just a huh, guffaw laugh, but an actual be- belly laugh kind of laugh can release stress. Um, so if you've got some great comedies you've got streaming, that'd be a great way to help release the stress cycle. Watch yourself a little comedy and um, have a good belly laugh. Another is to speak to loved ones. And those are not, a lot of times people think loved ones are the people related to you. But remember, sometimes loved ones are the people you choose that are not yeah, necessarily yeah. related to you. Um, but but those are the people that um, you can extend for. You can extend out for that physical touch for an extended hug, um, and it's also for those people. Um, some people do not like physical touch, um, and we want to respect those boundaries. But either speak or reach out um, to those loved ones is another way to complete the uh, the stress cycle and then cry and when i'm talking about crying i'm not talking like a little tear i'm talking the ugly snotty cry um (laughs) is a great way to complete the stress cycle however i know that a lot of us are not comfortable with that um because in society crying is not something that's particularly in western culture is not something that's well accepted um and i even find myself when someone's crying myself feeling uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. around them um, and and really it's one of the purest emotions that you can express um, but yet uh, we often have uh, struggles when when someone cries around us so but it's a great way to complete the stress cycle and the last part um, is to do something creative and a lot of people are like, well, I'm not creative. Well, just like movement and uh, gardening can be um, a way to move. It can also be creative because working in the dirt and pruning uh, your vegetables or, um, you know, creating some beauty in a flower garden um, is creative. So it doesn't have to be limited to, you know, painting a masterpiece or, you um, uh, 
putting together a piece of music or writing a poem or draw, drawing something. It can be a simplistic creative um, type of thing. It can be coloring. I know they have adult coloring books. Yes. Out there. Um, so don't limit yourself when it's talking about creative. And this comes from, a, it, can, it stems from the book I talked about earlier, but there is an article that I'm going to link in the show notes um, that's taken from the book by Nagoski and Nagoski that talks about these seven things and way to complete the stress cycle. So Matt, just out of curiosity, what is something that you do pretty well on a daily basis? And then what's something that you have to um, be more intentional about which one of those practices do you need have to be more intentional about if if it's going to happen? Yeah. First, I want to say thank you for sharing this article. When I took a read at it, um, I was, you know, a lot of things made sense and a lot of things made me think, which is always good. And so for our audience, please take a look at that. Um, these things are, are really important. And I love the way that they just really quickly summarize it. Uh, but for me, something I do really, really well, especially since, you know, embarking on my mini retirement has been being creative. And I'm actually so glad, Kirsten, that you mentioned gardening as a creative outlet, because that's one of the things I've gotten into uh, since pandemic and I really enjoy it. Uh, but you're so right. You know, it, it's something that oftentimes I don't think of as being a creative act, but I really get a lot of joy of watching my plants grow. Right now I have three huge peppers uh, <laughs> growing on my pepper plant and I'm excited and some squash is, is coming in. Um, and I want to say, it made me think about some research I read. I have to find this uh, for our audience, but there's actually a benefit uh, to the human body of playing in the dirt, like getting your hands dirty. Uh, there's like microbes that are able to enter pores and it increases our mood and it makes us feel better. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And there's also some really interesting research around hearing bird song and how that affects the mood and someone's outlook on life. So being outside for me and, and the creative act of gardening is something I, I do really, really well. Uh, you know, along with other creative outlets, uh, cooking uh, and playing music. Uh, but the one that really got me in this article that I know I need to practice and it really hit me hard when I read this article is, is crying. And you mentioned it already, you know, especially in our culture, um, it's something that we don't really uh, promote and we, we see as a negative thing. And especially as a man growing up in the South, uh, it's definitely something that, you know, I've been told that, you know, it's, it's not for public. Um, but even in private, I don't cry. And I think that's something that uh, I'm going to challenge myself to, to do more of. Uh, so, again, I appreciate the article. And then, you know, the conversation we had before the episode around that really, really struck me. So I appreciate you, you know, pushing me to think about things like that. Well, and I just want to say, Matt, that even though I've expressed that I am somewhat uncomfortable, if you do cry in front of me, I'll be... I I'll be there to support you. So well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to share with our audience and with you is that um, one of the things I'm really good about um, is practicing the moving around piece. Um, and actually, I'm very intentional about that. Um, when I move around, I walk every morning. Um, and I used to walk for the purpose of exercise and to um, basically stay in a, a smaller size close size. But during the pandemic, it became a necessary um, way for me to basically get rid of my stress. And um, 
uh, shortly after I started the walking, one of my neighbors joined me. And so now I'm not only connecting with others when I walk, but I'm also doing the practice of moving. And um, that really starts my day off in a way that really helps me um, always have a good start, even when the start's a little rough. And so that's one of the things that I do. And I also spend time in my garden. And I just realized uh, that I'm sitting here saying that I struggle with doing the creative part, but I work in my garden a lot. So I actually may be a little bit more creative than I realize. But I love doing creative things, but I don't do them often because I see it as a luxury or a reward rather than a necessity to complete a stress cycle. Um, and so I have got to find a way to incorporate that because when I am creative and I have the opportunity to sit down and do something creative, such as this podcast, I always walk away having more energy. And I sometimes even have a, like a euphoric thrill from, from doing that creative, whatever it is. Um, and just it, it lightens my mood. So I need to be more intentional about that creative piece. So now we're going to move into our segment, which is called living in beta mode. And for those of you that um, have listened to this podcast before, this is a new segment. And in this segment, our plan is to just share with you a quick hack, um, life, like a life hack or a technology type thing that might be helpful to you or something we learned or a person to follow on social media um, to just help us get through life because life is never um, well planned out. And it's always like you're in beta mode because it's constantly changing um, and it's getting a new upgrade or a new version. And then we're having to adjust to that new whatever it is. So the um, living in beta mode life hack for this segment is going to be about encouraging our listeners to schedule your margin or downtime for yourself in your calendar. And this is one of these practices, one of the practices that I have had to start doing because I wasn't doing it. And what I was finding is I was scheduling myself back to back to back to back with tasks and meetings, and I wasn't getting enough time to breathe in between. And it's really important that you plan that, that downtime or that margin and that you stick to it. I actually got an article that I pulled this from. It's called Engage for Success Blog. And the article is Why It's Important to Schedule Downtime in Your Workday by author Debbie Lentz. And in that article, she shares that the one of the key purposes of downtime is to give your mind a chance to switch off for a while. Taking time away to reflect on things learned during the day gives the brain a chance to better absorb information at first glance. I'm going to include that blog post in our show notes, but I just wanted you guys to think about that because when we schedule downtime or margin for ourselves, we actually are more productive. Our brains work better and we function at a better level. Um, and so I wanted to uh, share that with you. What are your thoughts on that, Matt? Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. It, it definitely challenges our initial understanding of downtime, where we think that it's it's a respite from work and we step away. But like you said, it actually helps us be more productive. It helps the brain feel better. And I, I love that as a an innovative way to to really focus your work and have us feel better about the work we're doing. So 
I agree. And it has been beneficial to me as I have been doing it. Um, one of the things I have to work on though, is that when I plan it, that I stick to it. Cause sometimes I will <laughs> schedule over it and you're not supposed to do oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So thank you listeners for joining us. Our next episode is, uh, we're going to dive into a conversation with Matt and a special guest that he connects with at the next week's innovation rally that's in Northwest Arkansas. If you're happen to be going to the innovation rally, please try to find and connect with Matt. He's going to be there. He's actually going to be presenting. Matt, what is the um, session that you're presenting on? So in case our listeners are there, they could join. Yeah, no problem. So there's actually, I'll be presenting uh, two sessions uh, with uh, a team. Uh, we'll be talking about assessing what matters, which is going to be about how do we use formative assessment uh, to increase not only student engagement, classroom community, um, but also how to do that in a differentiated, in a way that um, promotes differentiated learning. So that's one session. And then there's another session I'll be doing solo around how do we restore community after coming back to class after COVID. I know that COVID is still going on, but you know we spent about a year, maybe a year and some months in virtual learning or hybrid learning. And the research that I've seen is that that has definitely had a detrimental effect on community classroom, on you know student socialization. And so as we're gearing up for next year's school year, I really want to offer some some information and some some strategies around how do we rebuild the community that may have been lost during COVID. Those sound like two great sessions, and um, I am sad that I won't be able to join you. But if you are going to the Innovation Rally in Northwest Arkansas, be sure to look up Matt Caston and his two sessions that will be at that uh, event. Listeners, we would love to know what your thoughts and ideas um, you have, and you can share those with us on our social media accounts, on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, using the handle at the Bulldog EDU. Yes. Additionally, you can follow Matt on Instagram at castiron, capital C, cast, capital I, iron, or Twitter at capital M, Matthew, capital C, Caston. That's at Matthew Caston on Twitter. With Kirsten, myself, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Teach Kiwi or on Facebook or LinkedIn as Kirsten Wilson. We want to thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Season 3, The Bulldog Educator. You can catch our next episode where Matt is at the Innovation Rally and chats with a special guest. So stay tuned to our social media or subscribe so you can find out who that special guest is. That episode is set to be released next Thursday, June 8th. Thank you listeners and tune in next week at the Bulldog Educator Podcast.